Welcome to episode two of The World Changers, a podcast where we analyze the greatest people who've ever lived. We talk about what made them great and uh, their effect on the world after after they died. Uh, Today I have a special guest, uh, an American history teacher, uh, Taylor, who will be joining us. Hi guys, happy to be here. Um, And uh, who, who are we talking about today, Taylor? So today we're talking about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, He is known as one of the greatest presidents of all time. In a lot of lists, he actually ranks above George Washington because of his work in the Civil War and his leadership. He changed the course of history by preserving the United States and freeing thousands of slaves. He's a good guy. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Trump will probably get close. (laughs) Probably. We'll see. Only time can tell. Um, So first we're going to go into a little bit, just a brief uh, overview of his early life. So... Abraham Lincoln, uh, he was born February 12th, 1809, and um, his, uh, he was the second child of Thomas and Nancy, and uh, he was born in the frontier of America, so hard life, uh, cold winters, uh, they were farming, they had to work very, very hard to survive. That was something that he talked about a lot, was the hard manual labor that he did as a kid, right? Yeah, and uh, he hated it. He, mm-hmm. A lot of people called him lazy. Because um, he was often he was he was often uh, running away to read books or hiding to study, and uh, but honestly, I, historians pretty much believe that he just hated the manual labor. Mm-hmm. And um, his dad was very harsh on him, uh, almost to the point uh, where some people have compared it to slavery, where his dad uh, would occasionally beat him, um, but was very demanding of his, of his physical labor. Mm-hmm. And people think that this uh, started to sow the seeds of Abraham's lifelong uh, hatred for slavery. Yeah, he talked about how he wanted to do everything different from his father. He didn't want to do any manual labor. He wanted to get an education. He didn't want a parent like his dad. He just wanted to be everything opposite of what his father was to him. Um, so he had, three, he had two siblings. Sarah was his older sister, and uh, he had a younger brother named Thomas who died in infancy. Hmm. which seems uh, to be commonplace around this time, the frontier. Uh, can't even imagine, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln was born in a, a teeny log cabin and uh, can't even imagine the circumstances of giving birth um, without everything that's offered today. And yeah. Kind of makes you understand why so many children died in infancy. Um, but his his mom, Nancy, uh, died of milk sickness. Um, she, like, drank bad milk or something, yeah, right? Yeah, like spoiled milk. Apparently, yeah, which was that's all crazy. What a terrible time to be alive! Yes, oh terrible. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. He was he was heartbroken with yeah. his mother's death. Yeah, he was uh, d- he was destroyed. He, he was, was how old? Eight. He was eight. Yeah, so he was eight. His eleven uh, year old sister Sarah was in charge of the household, uh, including for her father and nine year old. Well, I guess eight nine year old Abraham, and uh, an orphaned cousin of his mom's named uh, Dennis. But. Hmm. But yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, later on, Lincoln's father ended up marrying uh, a girl named Sarah, Sarah uh, Bush Johnson. They called her Sally, and uh, she had three kids of her own. But Abraham became very close with his stepmother, and he loved her. He referred to her mother all the time, and um, yeah, became very, very close with her. And so they lived with all uh, how many people is that? Seven. In I think it household? ended up being seven in this teeny tiny cabin. Hmm. So. Uh, <clears throat> So he came from very humble, very very humble, humble. background. Yeah, 
And uh, his relationship with his father was interesting. He seemed to, they seemed to be just polar opposites. Yeah. His father wasn't an intellectual, uh, didn't care about education. His father was just about hard manual labor. And uh, Abraham Lincoln was more ambitious. He wanted to do something with his life. He wanted to change the world. He wanted uh, to learn. And he hated doing this work, you know. I read that he didn't even attend his father's funeral. Yeah. His dad, when he was dying, he asked for, he called for Abe to come visit him to say goodbye. And he said, I don't want to. And he didn't even attend his funeral. So it sounds as if he never forgave his father. He said it would bring him uh, more sorrow than joy Mm -hmm. uh, coming to see his father. Yeah. So he he was known um, as an honest, kind man. And one who uh, would never hold a grudge except for... For his dad. For his dad, yeah. uh, which is a pretty big one, his whole life. Yeah, so his his childhood was cold and harsh, um, and uh, it forged him into, uh, you know, it really motivated him to not have to live that same life for his kids. And so under the law at the time, um, any work you did outside the home, you gave to your father until you turned 21. By the time he, he turned 21... Uh, he takes off. He heads over to uh, New Salem. In Illinois. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, he becomes more and more distant with his father. And uh, um, around this time, you know, he's, he's studying. And it, to go into his education just a little bit, he was self-educated. Yeah, he had less than one year of yeah. formal education. Yeah, and it, but he loved books. He, he loved uh it's said that he read and reread uh, the King James Bible, Aesop's Fables, John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, Robinson Crusoe, uh, Mason Locke, uh, The Life of Washington, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. He just loved reading. He was said to have he would walk miles just to borrow a book from someone. So um, I guess in a way he was thrown into a life that wasn't meant for him. You know, he was born in a circumstance and a time and a location that uh, he rejected completely. But it also gave him the determination to get out of it. You know, yeah, that's the blessing. If he may have been, if he had been born in a in an affluent family, who knows if he would have had that dedication to yeah. to rise to where he did rise to. Mm-hmm. It made him who he was. Yeah, ironically, it made him tough. The frontier made him tough, but not in the way of so much as physical labor, but mental determination. So he gets there. Um, and he's in Illinois, and he decides, uh, well, he actually, <laughs> one thing we'll see throughout Lincoln's life is he left a long trail of failure. Yeah, he did. So many. Um, from his uh, mother passing away, his brother dying, um, and his pretty pathetic political career, obviously, until he rose uh, to become the president of the United States. But mm-hmm. he, I mean, I, I always assumed that he was just this great man who was destined to be the president. But he lost election after election after election. And when he first gets there to Illinois, he, he actually uh, invests in a business. I didn't and, know that. Yeah. And it, uh, it fails. Oh, wow. And he, tries to, he ends up selling his shares. Uh, it's going bankrupt. And, uh, yeah, it just was um, – his life was not even just his childhood, but going into his adulthood, uh, it was just sad. He just yeah. lived a sad life. He was – um, he's thought to have had clinical depression. Yeah. He refers to it as melancholy. He said yeah. that he was always melancholy. I like that. But people said that he tried to compensate for that by being really funny. And he was apparently a really good storyteller. And people yeah. always said that that was because he was trying to overcome this melancholy that he always felt. 
He was yeah. He was, he he had a lot of good. Um, he was, his humor was very self-deprecating. He would just make fun of himself all the time. Yeah, which kind of lightens the mood. You know, he was he was six four, a giant. You know, uh, for for nowadays, historians say that'd be the equivalent of being six eight. Yeah. So he's LeBron's height, uh, but probably 150 pounds lighter than LeBron. He said he was 180 pounds. So six four, 180, skinny, scrawny, huge nose, very deep sunken cheeks, uh, big ears. And uh, was just a weird, uh, awkward, physically awkward guy. Yeah, really awkward. Everyone says, especially with girls. He was really awkward. I found this quote. He described himself when he first moved to Illinois. He described himself as being friendless, uneducated, and penniless. Just a sad life. Sounds like my freshman year of college. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyway, so back to you know this timeline of, of him uh, getting up to his greatest achievements. So he runs first uh, for general assembly, um, and uh, he doesn't get it. Yeah, he he was he's a good speaker, like you said, and he he would you know connect with the people, but he lacked an education, powerful friends, money. <laughs> and that's why everything. he probably bought everything. Yeah. All right. So this isn't someone that was thrown the best education or the best. Uh, um, influencers in their life this is a man on his own in a terrible time uh you know just like the frontier which sounds horrible so what was his first success in politics yeah so he um well after he failed he uh served in new new salem he served as the postmaster and as a county surveyor and all the time waiting for the next election he was reading voraciously he just read so much, and um, at this point, he decided that he wanted to become a lawyer. So he started studying to be a lawyer. Um, now, in 1834, uh, so about four years um, after his family moved to Illinois and he went Where to New he Salem, he moved himself. Yeah, um, he uh, ran for a second campaign. He won an election for state legislature, and he ran as a Whig. There was no Republicans yeah. at this point. So, so it was just Whigs and Democrats at this point. Weird. In, yeah. Yeah. So he was a Whig for uh, for his life until he became president. Yeah. And, and immediately as he, when he became, uh, when he got political office, uh, one of his biggest points um, that he was known for was uh, being against slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, from the very beginning, uh, in 1837, so he served um, for four years uh, on... Um, for the uh, for this legislature, and in 1837, he, he said the institution of slavery is founded on both injustice and bad policy, but the promulgation of abol- uh, abolition doctrines tends rather to increase than abate its evils. So maybe we can dissect that a little bit. But his belief, his his view towards slavery was kind of unique, wasn't it? Yeah. So it it uh, progressed a lot through his life. So it started. He was against it for more reasons. He thought it wasn't ethical, but. It's really hard in this political atmosphere because so many people supported it that you can't get enough support if you are, um, like, starkly against it. So he said that he was against slavery, but he wanted to move all of the blacks out of the country. Uh, So this was called colonization. He agreed with this. And people wanted to... To go back to America. To go back to Africa. Africa. Yeah, Yeah, send them back to their homeland. Yeah, so they wanted to pay, he wanted the government to pay these slave owners for their slaves and then ship them all back to Africa. And, um... Which seems like a reasonable middle ground, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, some could see it that way, especially in that day and time. Yeah. They thought, we just can't live 
together. They thought it was impossible for blacks and whites to live together. So Lincoln saw this as a happy medium. He still didn't believe that blacks uh, were on the same level as whites. He didn't necessarily think that they should be given political rights at this time. So this progresses through the war, and we'll kind of see that as we talk through the war and stuff, but he, towards the end of the war, he becomes very emphatic that slavery should be abolished and that blacks should be given the same rights and voting rights yeah. as whites were. So his his opinion kind of progresses, and it's interesting to, to study that about him. I, I think it's an interesting idea, you know. Um, some people have, have uh, accused Lincoln of being racist, white supremacist, which is absurd when we think about his life. But uh, we just have to understand that, like, you know, the times were so different. Like, what he was saying... He lost a lot of elections because of this. People didn't want to elect him because yeah. of the things he said. He would he would take back some of the things he said because he would lose so much support. And so he was a man that was above, morally above the people of his generation. And so even though he wasn't perfect, he still was an amazing man that did you know great things for uh, you know the black society. They they called him uh, their Moses. That's yeah. what they called him. Really yeah. cool. You know they they believed that they were. They were trapped like the children of Israel, yeah. and they needed a Moses to free them, it's and that's so how they cool. saw AIDS. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, uh, um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, uh, he's such a uh, yeah. I got nothing. I lost my <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, so then in so in eighteen forty three, so he he uh, he gets this election, you know, and he's saying like, hey, let's send the, these blacks back to you know Africa, and then he runs again in eighteen forty three. This time for the House of Representatives, and he loses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a few years later, he runs again, and he actually gets it. Mm-hmm. So he just seems kind of like this guy who doesn't quit. Like perseverance is something uh, one of his strongest traits, I think. Um, and I think to live on the frontier in those days, you had to you know persevere or die. And politically, it might have been the, the same way. Definitely. So he was serving in Congress. He at least had some experience in Congress before he ran for president. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So 1860 is when he is nominated as the Republican candidate. Uh-huh. And he was only the—this is only the second time that Republicans had ran for office. Um, they just started the party. So, so they had started it in 1856, I believe. What was the um, the Kansas— the Kansas uh, um, so Bleeding Kansas, or yes. the Kansas-Nebraska Act, was when they the government declared that Kansas and Nebraska would be popular sovereignty, meaning that the people in those states could decide if it would be a free state or a slave state. So it became this bloodbath where everybody was rushing to these states because they wanted to be able to make it either a free state or a slave state, whatever they wanted. And... Like I said, it was a bloodbath. It was a war in in Kansas. That's why I called it Bleeding Kansas. And it was this disaster, and Lincoln was appalled by it. He thought it was horrible. And he he said, that's when he said, um, a a house divided cannot stand. We will either be all slave or we will be all free. There is no way for us to continue Um, the way that we are right now. It's just not possible. And it really split up the Whig Party. So this was the destruction of the Whig Party. Yes. So he was formerly part of the Whig Party, and this uh, was such a divisive, polarized issue that it ruined the Whig Party. And that's where the Republican Party came from, was born from. Mm-hmm. So then he was one of the – he was the, the second. Is that right? Yeah. So the first one, they actually did pretty good in the first election, 1856. They did decent com- – I mean, considering that they were a brand-new party, but they didn't win. And so then in 1860 – 
they pick um, they pick Lincoln mostly because he he appealed to so many different people. He was from the South, but he grew up in Illinois, and I mean he had his career in Illinois, so he. He appealed to both Southerners and Northerners because yeah. he had this unique background. And they would actually change, uh, like, on, when they'd go to different cities, they would change the image of him. Yes. Sometimes he was the hick frontier guy, mm-hmm. you know, who was tough and worked his way up chopping trees. The other time, he's a simpleton. I'm just Abe Lincoln, you know? <laughs> and then other times, he was the scholar. He's a lawyer. He was a great lawyer, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but all around, uh, yeah, he was just an honest guy, a uh, very genuine, honest guy, and, uh, Really related to people. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody called him Honest Abe. Like that's not a. That's a real. It's not a term that has come in recent years. That's yeah. something that he called him in his time. He had some cool quotes about being honest. He said, uh, "You can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time." <laughs> and then he said, uh, "He said no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar." That's interesting. So he just said it's easier, you know, it's easier to tell the truth. Yeah. To try to sort all these things out in your mind, you know. Yeah, really cool. He was just known for being a hard worker and an honest man. I mean, what more can you really want in a yeah. good politician or lawyer, right? So um, so he wins the election in 1860, and the South, knowing that he was against slavery, they secede almost immediately. Well, real quick, right? before we get to them seceding, before he ran, he actually ran for Senate uh, oh, against yes. Douglas. Uh-huh. And these um, debates, they said, uh, are the most famous political debates in American history. Uh-huh. There are seven of them. They're amazing. And uh, they, they said they had the atmosphere of a prize fight and drew crowds in the thousands. Uh-huh. So everyone's coming. <laughs> it's like the biggest deal. And, uh, and Lincoln loses. Yeah. Yeah. And so his life, you know, he had, any, he had many opportunities to just give up. He had every reason to give up. And he just didn't. Yeah. You know? He was just, he had a purpose in this world. You know? Yeah, he said often, like, I want to be remembered. I want to do something that makes people remember me, that means something to this world. Yeah. I want to help. So, so a Nove- in the early November 1860, he becomes president. Yes. And then when do they secede? I don't know the exact month, but within a couple months, with not if not weeks. Really soon. Yeah, it's actually, let me see, right? I think, yeah, they receded, they seceded so December 20th. And he became, he was... So that's like five November. weeks later. Yeah, really soon. So they, I mean, they essentially were saying, if he gets elected, we're going to secede. So they had these plans prior to him being actually elected. And, and the platform they he, prepared. he built up was, this, they all knew. So the platform yeah. he was building upon was this anti-slavery. And for the South, uh, economically, it would be so hard, you know, to lose all of your slaves, your workers, and, you know, who would run your fields and who would do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were obviously very opposed to it. So right after, a few weeks after he's elected, they secede from the United States. Yeah. They leave. I, I don't know. Has that ever happened before or after the United States? No. Yeah, I mean, I've, anyone's ever tried? Thing. I don't think so. I mean, Texas always talks about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> California trying to take maybe. away their guns. Oh yeah. No, Texas has too many guns. They can they they'd get away. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about like a, a big plate. You know, his, his first month in office. Okay, what's on the agenda? Oh, civil war. Cool. And that's what makes him so great. Is he had maybe one of the greatest challenges in American history, and far up there in challenges in the world history. And he handled it very impressively. And that's what makes him such a great man and president. And so. I'm not sure the exact month, but soon after um, 
the Confederate Army, they surround Fort Sumter, which was like a stronghold that the Union had, and there were soldiers in it. And so he has to make this decision, uh, are we going to attack? What are we going to do? And he decides to bring provisions, so they bring no no more soldiers, they just bring like uh, provisions to supply the soldiers who are in the fort, so they have food and water and such. And he says he wasn't going to fire the first shot. So he waits for the Confederacy, and sure enough, they eventually fire the first shot at Fort, Fort Sumter, and that's what kicks off the Civil War. Amazing. Yeah. And so going along with this uh, theme of failure that he had, the first like the first half of the Civil War, he failed a lot. He had really bad generals. He... And they lost a lot of battles. They were just uh, kind of cowards, honestly. So McClellan was one that he was um, a well-educated general. And Lincoln liked him initially. And he, anyway, was leading his army. And he trained them great. They were a greatly trained army. But whenever it came to actually fighting, McClellan wouldn't do it. He just was... That's a pretty just big kind of a coward. Of a war, yeah, know, and he just he would make excuse after excuse after excuse about why he wasn't, um, why he wasn't, okay, why he wasn't uh, um, fighting. But interesting. So he anyway, just had bad generals. Yeah. So he replaces McClellan with this guy named General Burnside, and he gets defeated miserably. And then he replaces him Burnside with another guy named uh, General Hooker, and he gets defeated. Terribly, and, and just to mention, the guy who's leading the South is isn't it Lee? Uh, yes, and yeah. he's like a genius. Yes, like they both wanted him, right? Oh yeah, he was. He was too deep yeah, yeah. Him, Lee was on the edge of if he was going to join the, the Union or the Confederacy, and he ended up staying loyal to his Virginia state. Yeah. And but he, he was amazing. The so they were. Yeah, he was. He was a war genius. So they were fighting for him. So I guess these generals did have a lot of. Uh, they had someone hard to go against, but. Hey, but he did have this awesome uh, General General Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, oh, in the South. Nice. And so they were fighting on, like, the Southwest area. And he was really his only great general. And Lincoln comes to really like him. And there's all these things about Grant that people don't like, though. They say that he drinks too much, and they say that he's uh, careless, or that they called him, like, a slaughterer. Like, he—anyway— um, so someone says to Lincoln, they're complaining about how much he drinks, and Lincoln says, he asked what brand of whiskey it is because he wants to send it to all his other generals <laughs> because he's because Grant's the only one that will do anything for him. So anyway, eventually That's after awesome. he has all this defeat, yeah, after he has all this struggle with all these generals, um, he decides that he needs to call for some more troops, and so he calls for black troops. And... People are saying they're like, honestly, they're your best bet. They're the ones who have the most to lose. They're the ones who are going to be the most motivated. And so, uh, over one hundred and eighty thousand black soldiers fought for the Union. Now, what does that mean? Did they run from the South? Um, so yeah, some of them would have run from the South. Some of them, there were free blacks in oh, the North already. But yeah, there were, probably were quite a few runaway slaves. One fun thing about um, this backtracking just a little bit, but they. Um, the, the, the states who seceded, right, they made their own nation. Yeah. And they had their own president. Yes. And they had their own constitution. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So they were set. We are ready to go. And uh, it's interesting. Um, 
being in Abraham Lincoln's uh, shoes. You know, part of me would say, just go. You don't want to be here? Just leave. Don't be a part of us. And, you know, forcing someone to hang out with you seems counterproductive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But obviously it was crucial. Yeah, so that's a question people have asked a lot. Why did the North even care? Why didn't they just let them leave? And a big reason was that they felt that they were a light to the rest of the world. They needed to prove that... uh, that a nation based on democracy. for the people, by the people, what could stand. Like, it would have been a tragedy for democracy if this country would have been broken up. And so that was a huge motivation for Lincoln. He thought we need to prove that all people are equal, that a country based by the people can, can succeed. He has a quote. He says, My dream is of a place at a time where America will once again be seen as the last best hope of Earth. Yeah. I don't know what the last part means, but I think, you know, he's, he's illustrating what you just said, that we were a beacon to other nations. And we we're, I mean, we don't need to go too deep into this, but America was an experiment. It was the first of its kind. It was revolutionary. And um, like Britain, when we when we lost the Revolutionary War, they let us. You know, they could have sent more troops. They could have kept going. They said, you know what? They're going to come crawling back to us. <laughs> and, you know, in, uh, you know, what, less than 100 years, we're already having a civil war. They're like, look at these guys. It's pathetic, you know? So it looked like everything was crumbling below us. But, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what was the turning point, you think, in the Civil War? Because you mentioned he was losing, he had bad generals. Mm -hmm. When did things change? So the turning point, the big turning point was probably Gettysburg. And that's the famous battle that everyone really knows about. And that was when they finally won. The North finally won. And this was in the North. So the the Southern troops had come up to the North and were fighting this this battle. And it was like a three-day battle really bloody, really a lot of casualties on both sides, but the North comes comes out on top. And so this was a huge turning point. And also at that same time, Grant won a battle, I think on the same day they won a battle in Vicksburg in the South. Oh. So they had two big wins in one day. And, and Lincoln finds out about it on July 4th. Cool. And so he's just saying this is such an, this is such an irony that we win this battle on the day that we're celebrating what our country is founded on and that and that basis is why we need to stay together and so that's what he that's the whole uh, basis of his his talk the gettysburg the gettysburg Four address score seven years ago yeah so the gettysburg address rest? no i don't know the rest you haven't memorized <laughs> no way, but i do have a cool quote um you know he said uh, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here and ironically that's become the most quoted speech in american history but yeah. that's what he said, you know, that yeah. no one's going to remember this, and we all do. Yeah, know? kind of cool. It was a really cool speech. He had this guy before him talked. His name was Edward Everett. He talked for two hours <laughs> before him. <laughs> yeah, he actually had a professor in college who loved Edward Everett, and he went on and on talking about this man who actually was a really cool guy. But he, yeah, he talked for two hours, and, and Abraham Lincoln gets up. He talks for two minutes. The People didn't even, the photographers didn't even have enough time to take a picture of him. So he gets up, and later, Edward Everett said, I wish that I could have conveyed what you conveyed in two minutes, in two hours. And anyway, so pretty cool speech, just talking about why the country needs to stay together, what makes the country great, and why we're fighting. And it just pumped everybody up, got the North really excited, and kind of uh, led the North on this high, got him on this high to finish the war. And they get the momentum, and... And then, you know, they just ride that momentum to the end, right? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. 
I'm not a Civil War expert per se, but and this isn't about the Civil War. Yeah, no, exactly. But um, eventually, so I think that I think Gettysburg was in 1863, and then. Um, was it a year later or two so, years later? Yeah, it looks like April fourteenth, eighteen sixty-five, the day that he was assassinated. It says that uh, um, five days earlier was when Lee had okay. surrendered. Okay, so a couple years later. So there still was quite a bit of time in the war, but at least the North had a chance at this point. Yeah, because before they just were being killed all over the place. So, so then on April 9th, eighteen sixty-five, is when Lee surrenders at Appomattox, and um, oh, but we skipped uh, the. Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, that's big. Let's hit that up real quick. So, the Emancipation Proclamation was in the middle of the war when when Lincoln gives that, and he said that as a president, he didn't have the power to to free slaves, but in a time of war, um, as the as the uh, leader of the war, he had the power to do things to win the war that a president wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Yeah. And so he a little frees, controversial, but... Yeah, so, exactly. So that's what people say that he stepped beyond his bounds, that he yeah. he shouldn't have done what he did. But, obviously, now everyone agrees with what he did, so we'll let it slide. <laughs> but he... So the Emancipation Proclamation freed all of the slaves in in the southern states. So there was four border states that were part of the Union, and they all had slaves. And the it's a misconception that the Emancipation Proclamation freed all the slaves. It didn't. Yeah. It kept them in those four states. And he did this really just to intimidate the South. Yeah. He was just—he put a consequence for having slaves there. So he was saying, you are—it's illegal to have slaves in your state. We're going to get you in trouble if you come back, all these things. Makes so sense, yeah. he really was just intimidating— the South with that. And he said, so this in the middle of the war, you know, he's really just concerned with preserving the Union. And so he said, he said, if I, if I can win the war by freeing all the slaves, I'll do it. If I can win the war by freeing none of the slaves, I'll do it. And so this is part of his progression of his opinion towards slavery, right? So anyway, and it's kind of after, after he had all those black slaves, uh, not black slaves, black soldiers fight for him, that he starts... Uh, feeling a moral responsibility to give them their freedom and give them their political rights. And so, <clears throat> let's see. Um, yeah, so that's when he starts fighting for the 13th Amendment. So this is, um, okay, yeah. I believe, before the war ended. He's really pushing for the 13th Amendment, which would free all the slaves everywhere forever because yeah. it's now part of the Constitution. And I don't, Have you seen the, the movie Lincoln? Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's what that whole movie is based on. I mean, obviously it covers parts of the war and stuff, but it's all based on him pushing for the 13th Amendment, and he gets it about right before he dies. So, anyway. Cool. So, So yeah. then the war ends. You know, he's pushed for the 13th Amendment to free those the slaves forever. Mm-hmm. Um, did the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they win the war, and he's watching a movie, or a, a, he's at the theater, so I'm guessing it's like a play. I don't think. Uh-huh. And uh, John Wilkes Booth comes up and yeah. pops him in the head. He dies. And uh, what's funny is just a few days earlier, he actually created the Secret Service. Oh, really? Yeah. But um, 
the Secret Service weren't actually supposed to protect the president at that time. It wasn't until the second president was assassinated that that became, like, their main oh, job. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, they were supposed to, like, watch for uh, forgeries or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, the, like, structure of the of the White House was very different at that time. He only had two, like, full-time people oh, working wow. for him. That's and crazy. they were in their 20s, oh like gosh. these young guys. So it was very different. He was, like, a very uh, laid-back president. Yeah. They said that he walked, he would, like, walk out by the White House, like, in midday by himself. Yeah. Like, he... Just a different time. Yeah, and he wasn't... I mean, he knew he had death threats his whole presidency, but he was like, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. And anyway... Should have been. Maybe he should have been worried about it. Yeah, so John Wilkes Booth kills him... And he kills him on five a days Good after. Friday. Yeah, Good Friday. Which is when Christ was yeah. crucified. And kind of interesting uh, fact, John Wilkes Booth then jumps up on the stage of the play, and he says, Sic sempre tyrannis, which is what... Which is... Claimed to be what Brutus said to Julius Caesar when he stabs him, which means, as thus to tyrants. Oh, my god! Yeah, kind of interesting, huh? Interesting. Just gave me shivers. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a really cool one. Yeah, so people just thought he was tyrannical. They thought he was just not abiding by the laws that had been established. And, yeah, and he, I think that John Wilkes Booth was a... a in, he was from the North. I think he was a copperhead, so he wasn't even from the South. Oh, my gosh. So... So, um, well, let's hit on a little bit, uh, very briefly, run out of time here, but his marriage, uh, he, he never really, he had a couple girls he was interested in, some of them died, some of them he just canceled, he ended up getting married, it seemed like he kind of hated his marriage. It does seem bit. like that. His wife, um, I don't want to disrespect her at all, but it seems like she was a little bit crazy. After uh, he died, uh, she actually was, she went to a uh, yeah. asylum for, a tempor- you know, temporarily, but... Yeah. Um, I read some things that people in the White House called her her satanic majesty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. said that she she had, like, a redecoration budget for the White House, and she spent it all. Like, she had it for four years. She spent it all in, like, two months. And then to fund the rest of her lavish decorations, she would take bribes from people and to, oh uh, like, affect decisions that it was making. So... She said that she tried to keep that from him. I don't even, I don't know if Lincoln ever knew about that. Yeah. But that's what is said yeah, to have happened. Yeah, he didn't have a great love life, for sure. No, yeah. I mean, right before he got married, uh, you know, he was asked, uh, you know, where he was going, and he he said to hell, I suppose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah, she didn't, it uh, doesn't seem like, I mean, I think there's some different opinions on this, but from different historians, but it doesn't seem like they had a great marriage. But then again, when... When he died, she laid in bed for 40 days. She was so sad. She actually didn't attend his funeral because she was laying in bed, like, so distraught about his death. Sounds like a normal weekend for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, crazy. Well, let's let's go. Let's finish up and talk about um, the greatness of Abraham Lincoln. So... um, you, why do you think that he's on this list? What sets him apart from other people? You know, we just talked about Leonardo da Vinci, um, and uh, he's obviously very different than Leonardo. But why are they both great? What effect did he have on the world? I mean, he changed the course of world history. If he didn't live, who knows? We could have separate nations. We could not be America today. We could still have slaves, yeah. We could still have slaves. Um, I think that I think that uh, someone would have come and eventually freed slaves before today uh, but what characteristics about him what why do you think he achieved his greatness i think he just had such a dedication and sense of hard work to just to just haul through any hardship 
he really faced so many hardships, and he was able to push through all of them. And I think that's what it takes to be to rise to greatness, especially if you come from a place that he came from. And I think also his just his ideology and his desire to be an example to the world and to preserve a nation that he knew was great, that he wanted to preserve democracy and government by the people. And who knows, maybe without him, if the, if the union hadn't stayed together, maybe other people wouldn't have had the courage to try. And yeah. maybe all of these, all of these other countries who have fought for democracy wouldn't have yeah. if they didn't have the shining, the light that Abraham Lincoln set for and he was for an the example, world to look you know, at for years you know after yeah even today I mean uh, Barack Obama when he was um, when he became president uh, he said Lincoln was his favorite president and insisted on using Lincoln's Bible for his swearing into office um, at both his inaugurations wow interesting so loved, you know so even still today it affects people but me personally I think that definitely is perseverance right I think he was kind of lucky yeah. I think uh, you know Shakespeare says you know some are born great. Uh, some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them. Uh-huh. I think Leonardo was uh, in between number. He was born pretty smart, and he also achieved. You know, he studied a lot. Leonardo did. He achieved his greatness. But I think if Leonardo was born at any time, I think he would have been someone we talked about forever. But I don't know about Lincoln. I think Lincoln would have always been a great president mm-hmm. and an honest man. Um, but I think it was the time he was born in. You know, I think he uh, would have been just another good president, and I think he kind of had greatness thrust upon him. It's true because I mean, he may not have been known if he had not faced the challenges yeah. that he had. And, and that's I think that's yeah. it's almost the challenges uh, that define him more than I mean, I get, obviously his decisions and his overcoming of those challenges, you know, which Definitely. set him apart. But without the challenges, what would he have been? Uh-huh. And Leonardo didn't have challenges. You know, he created things from thin air. And Lincoln had these things thrust upon him. And we can see in his early life that he would have persevered no matter where he would have been. You know, uh, you know, 1800s, 1900s today, he would have persevered. He would have studied. He would have uh, obtained knowledge. He, ha- he was ambitious. So he would have been someone of the day and maybe someone of a generation. But I don't know if he would have changed the world if he was born in a different time. I'm not, t- not trying to take away from his greatness. Yeah. No, it's know? interesting to think about. Yeah. But we're lucky that we had him in that time. Yeah. Other people would have, many other people probably would have crumbled under that. And pressure. I think, yeah, I think he yeah. was, uh, he was, his integrity, you know, how strong he was and his unwillingness to budge. Um, yeah. I think he uh, stood strong in, in a perilous time in our nation's history, probably the darkest time in our nation's history, and he brought us out of it. Yeah. And, uh, all right. Well, anything mm-hmm. else from you? I don't think so. I love Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, he's a great guy. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's all we got. Um, any questions, uh, just uh, put in the comments or you can email us. Um, if you want to subscribe, you can subscribe now. We'll send you $500,000 <laughs> do it in the next 24 hours. Uh, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, next week, I think we're actually going to be doing Sir Isaac Newton. Great. So pretty exciting stuff. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs>